And hello everyone out there, all you lasso-holics, and welcome back to Peanut Butter and Biscuits, your Ted Lasso fancast from the Front Row Network on NPR Illinois. So we are breaking down episode 11 of season 2. There's only one left, but we are all hopping on that midnight train to Royston to break this down. There is a lot happening here, man. We are turning Shakespearean with some epic level betrayals. Sharon is leaving. There might be some big rifts between Keeley and Roy. Oh my god, the Empire Strikes Back metaphor is really coming true, folks. Uh, I'm Jeremy Geckner, the editor-in-chief of the Front Row Network, and here with me as always on Peanut Butter and Biscuits, my co-host, Mr. Craig McFarland. What's up, man? Oh, it is just so great. Actually, I'm really excited because um, you get a heavy episode, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> finally. You know, it's been like, the pattern has been like, all of these like lighthearted, really fun episodes happen on the odd numbers, and you've been hosting those, and so I get the heavy-handed ones. Now, you get the penultimate episode, and it really was living up to a lot of the hype that we're getting into heading towards the end of the second season here. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff to break down in this episode. We're going to try to do it fast because that's our MO, but there's a lot to get to in this episode, and, we, and they are setting up what is looking like an epic, epic finale here, you know, in terms of Ted Lasso terms, but... Um, before we get into the Midnight Train to Royston, uh, Craig, a little bit of housekeeping before we get into the episode. Yes. So we asked all of you, we were talking about, we had this kind of disagreement about why Nate was uh, being asked about his suit at the funeral. And Katie emailed us. So thank you, Katie, for reaching out and emailing. And she brought an interesting perspective to this. She said, I think Keely was flustered at seeing Jamie look hot in the suit. She actually kind of parallels Rebecca's reaction to seeing Sam come off the bus. They both singled them out and then overcompensated by giving some attention to other guys. In Keely's case, that was Nate. So she brought this interesting perspective that I hadn't thought about and uh, really enjoyed getting some of that from her. Now, we do get a call back to this whole suit thing later on in this episode as well. So we'll see where that goes from there. Uh, I also wanted to call out the fact that we've had a lot of more ratings on Apple Podcasts. And just yeah. thank you for doing that. Can I just yes. say that Thanks you know, if you all. have an opportunity, I know that this is being listened by a lot of people. and We really appreciate that. Can you just give us uh, some honest feedback on those Apple Podcast ratings? Because we really do take those to heart. And we want to make you part of this show moving forward for sure. And so thank you for everyone that has done that. Uh, someone just commented that they really love the minutia of Lasso that we get into. And that <laughs> is basically my life right now. Just yeah. talk to my wife. Uh, it is like, that's all I want to talk about is Ted Lasso. So I really do appreciate this. And then lastly, I mentioned at the very tail end of last episode that we were going to start this whole Twitter thing. So we've been on uh, Ted Lasso Twitter now for just about a week. So you can follow us at PBBFRN. That's peanut butter and biscuits from the front row network so pbbfrn and uh follow along there and give us a follow let us know where you're listening from let us know what you like what you hate let us know which host does a better job at hosting the show is Absolutely. it jeremy or is it craig it's definitely um, not me we'll go from there <laughs> It's definitely I, I don't not know. Me. I don't know what changes. I mean, I guess maybe they'll fire one. Can one of us get fired? From I this guess. Podcast? I'm yeah. not sure. I mean, geez. Uh, <laughs> well, I maybe I, I have a feeling a firing is about to happen on uh, Ted Lasso here, but we're going to get to that, folks, because woo, what an ending. Um, so this episode, uh, you're right. This is the penultimate episode. So we've got one left. 
usually this is where you're setting up a lot of crazy stuff. And, and historically in great series, like the second to last or like the third like to last episode, those are the ones that really kind of explode and are one of those uh, episodes that everybody remembers. And in this one, they are putting down a lot of flags, a lot of fence posts here to figure out what's going to go down in this finale. And, you know, we've been talking, Craig, that we think that there's a big, big fall coming here for Richmond, which is funny because we learn at the beginning of this episode that Sam Obisanya has had his first hat trick in a match and that Richmond has continued ever since that FA Cup loss to Man City. They have continued on their winning ways and they are one win away from being promoted back to the Premier League. Um, And just like everything else, when you're right there on the cusp of what you want, unforeseen things start to happen here. Um, So just right off the bat here, Craig, like what are you thinking about, you know, the fact that Richmond continues to go, that the team is still very harmonious? Did you get the sense that I did that I was like, oh, no. (laughs) Well, you know what? Well, first of all, I want to make an observation as a very naive American who does not watch enough uh, of the classic football. Shame. Uh, So, you know, (laughs) I'm guessing that my idea of a hat trick comes from hockey, which they are fairly common in hockey. But it seems like in uh, watching a lot of these matches and these scores go past that a hat trick in a soccer match is quite impressive. It's very rare. Yeah. So uh, (laughs) incredible job by Sam there. And, you know, I actually am wondering if because they dealt with the right uh, relegation last season I wonder if they do allow for the promotion to still happen. I think that this team is still going to get promoted back to the premier league because then it sets up this kind of return of the Jedi to go along with the um, star Wars analogy. But that doesn't mean that other crap isn't going to happen and that other uh, things are going to really take this team by surprise, including maybe losing one of their team captains. Yeah. I agree with you there because it's, it's interesting. I, I think you're right. I think that, the obvious thing would be like, oh, they're one game away from getting promoted. So clearly stuff is going to go crazy and they're going to lose that game and they won't get promoted back to the Premier League. I agree with you. I don't know if that's the most obvious course here because I think we're playing with more personal dynamics than we are team dynamics at this point. The team is very harmonious right now. The team is doing everything right. Sam's getting hat tricks. Jamie and uh, Danny seem to be playing really, really well as the two aces uh, up on the front line. Um, They just keep winning. And I think somebody said from the – the office shot of the last episode that they they've won like 21 games or something to like like four losses and still like 10 ties or something so they're playing really really well and one of the characters even says you know relegation usually destroys uh, teams when they get relegated but not this team um but yeah it, it's no it's no accident we open with Sam Obisanya here because this is the big decision of the episode so right away we get this entirely new character here um Ikufu I think is his name name um and he is a billionaire who has inherited his father's empire um in africa and uh his business empire and he is now coming to richmond because he wants to pay a transfer fee to rebecca to take sam to the team he is going to buy which we later learn is a book of casablanca and that he wants to make basically a soccer superpower out of Africa, and he wants those native-born players back, and he thinks that Sam is the key to bringing back there. And so, Craig, I don't know what you thought of these whole conversations here, but um, I thought this actor was incredibly charming. I mean, it would have been so easy for him to just be 
not Rupert level of a jerk, but you know, just more like, Hey, I've got money. I'm going to get what I want, but he's got great reasons behind wanting Sam to come to his team and to uh, pay these transfer fees for him. Um, And it really puts the dilemma here on Rebecca. She's asked Sam for time to figure out what's happening with them. She still doesn't seem to know. And now you've got this guy who's making a very good point as to why Sam should leave Richmond and come back home to his native country and continent um, to kind of help build something from the ground up so just blanket statement here craig what did you think of this new character and the 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 things he's putting in motion here so uh, here i am complaining that they're not coming back to the athletic activism beat not knowing of course that in the penultimate episode they're going to take what sam has now created as this pride for nigeria that he wants to make sure that he becomes a representative of nigeria and that he uh, is doing right by his home country and then now they're going to make it and turn it on its edge and say now you can go and play for your continent you can go and really uh reclaim africa as this powerhouse uh, become this powerhouse over the years and of course what's that going to do what's the impact of that going to be for all of those kids that'll be growing up and you have this national icon in this athlete uh and that could be sam and so this is a, a heady and a weighty decision and i do like the idea that this is a compassionate billionaire yeah. i i don't want to come across at all that I am <laughs> advocating that billionaires are all just great people. But I do think that there is a little bit of a difference between the Rupert type billionaires um, of generations past where they came into maybe some old money. Um, I do think that with the tech bubbles and the, the way that tech startups have happened, we do have um, some more wealthy people that are more conscious of what they're doing for the environment, for the world, for the health of our uh, society, really. And so I think that this kind of shows that divide. You know, he's getting this money from his father, but he is wanting to put it in the right place and he's wanting to have a positive impact on things, which you can't doubt, you can't blame him for then wanting to go and grab this young Nigerian star to come back to Africa and to represent what that can become as far as football is concerned. Concerned. And uh, I, I just I think it's a really interesting beat. And I, I'm very uh, it'll be very interesting to see where it goes. I, I'll tell you, it, it didn't come, you know, in reading the synopsis beforehand, uh, I guess in my mind, and this still could happen, Rupert could still come in and buy a team or whatever. Mm-hmm. But after that whisper with Nate, with I Nate, thought that yeah. that was the direction that they were going to go. And then they really kind of threw me for a loop here with this uh, tech mogul coming in. And now in the description, the very brief description they provided, it does mention something about a billionaire giving Sam a, uh, you know, giving Sam an offer. But I, we all probably assume you, that would you, be Rupert. You naturally right? assume that's Rupert because of what happened at the funeral and everything. Um, and you're right. Um, by the way, the, uh, 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 gentleman's name is Akufo, uh, not, not Akufu, Akufo. Um, so, um, but he, you're right. Like, I love that right off the bat, he tells Sam, um, you know, like, I don't think billionaires should exist. So I'm breaking up my father's business empire and I'm going to put, um, I'm going to put the money I have into this thing where I want to build up Africa as this soccer power, because, you know, there is a lot of merit in that in the world right now, because many of the best players from Africa do go to play in La Liga, in the Premier League, um, the Bundesliga and stuff. So like that, that is kind of a thing now, but there are many great African nations. And I think that what he's saying here is a kind of a real world scenario that a lot of people that support the African continent would want. Um, but he is like, you know, he takes him to this museum and he says, he shows him this great painting by this Nigerian artist. And he says like, yeah, I just bought it because we're going to bring it back home. Um, you know, it's kind of, it, it's an amazing thing because again, 
this this is all a play for Sam. He rents out the museum for God's sake and fills it with actors. He builds a restaurant for it, but you never get the sense that it's diabolical. You really get the sincerity of this pitch. And I think that that's real. I don't think that there's some kind of ploy here. I think he really understands this guy is the key because he even says, it's not it's not the player I want as good as you are. It's the man, Obasanya, Sam Obasanya, that I want. That's who I need. Absolutely. I uh, And I think that, you know, and, and that was a funny beat when he was like, oh, these are all actors, you know, and um, at first I was like, is he being serious here? And I love that callback to I may destroy you. Yeah, exactly. Um, that and, was great. But it's uh, I, I think it's hard to root again, like the good, the, the best well-told stories are when you have these dilemmas um, and they're moral dilemmas, they impact more than just yourself. And that's the position they're putting Sam into here because he could really choose between uh, in what his mind would be himself, his happiness, what might happen with Rebecca. Uh, he loves Ted Lasso. He loves the team at Richmond. He could become, he has become really the face of that team and he will continue to do that. He will go into the Premier League and he will probably have all of his hopes and dreams, everything that he's ever dreamt of, of playing in England, playing in the Premier League as a child. Then you come to the other side of it and he could be that image for a continent. And now it's not to say that he couldn't still have that impact from further away, but when you're on the ground and doing the work, you can really have such a huge impact. I actually just read a book on ultra running because I've been getting into running and, and like just the, the talking about the runners from Kenya and Ethiopia and the way that they are recognized for their sport in those countries. Mm -hmm. And that's why there's so many runners from Kenya and from Ethiopia and from African countries that come because it really is just this inspirational thing to uh, want to run and to like, like it, it means so much more in the continent of Africa than it does here in the United States, as far as how we uh, perceive it as an endurance sport. Um, and so that could be that face could be Sam. Yeah, that means a lot. Yeah. And honestly, like the two callbacks from season one here. Remember, when we first meet Sam, Ted um, wants to throw him a birthday party because he misses home. Um, and so when uh, when when Isaac actually tells him, like, you know, I think Sam would appreciate the opportunity to play closer to home. Um, that's a very real thing. And then remember when um, the two aces episode, when they're burning things in the trash barrel, what does he bring? He brings a picture of the Nigerian soccer team, which has always been his dream to play for the national team to, to try to win a World Cup. So that, I think, are two callbacks as to why later in this episode, after they go to dinner at this you know, <laughs> a pop-up Nigerian restaurant, it seems. Um, you know, like his dad calls him and he basically says, like, it was amazing. And I think that it's very telling that when Rebecca is there waiting on his doorstep and she still says to him, I cannot tell you, you know, an answer right now, but I hope you don't go. There's a reason he doesn't stop her. He he lets her go. You can tell he's conflicted, but he doesn't say stop. He doesn't try to say anything to her. He lets her get in the car and go. So that's the other interesting dynamic here at play is what it's doing to Rebecca. So um, I really want to call out now Emmy winner Hannah Waddingham for um, the scene when she first meets Akufo in the office because you can tell there is just some great acting going on there because she's trying to play it cool, um, especially even when Keely just blurts out like, oh, Rebecca loves Sam. <laughs> and, um, you know, Ted's just like, yeah, we all do. <laughs> it's such a perfect way. That that, that scene was flawlessly executed yes. by all players. Yes. Like, that was so great. Hannah's face 
face when that happened. It's excellent. Perfect. Yeah. And I mean, like, it's great because she's really showing um, respect to him saying, it's like, look, I appreciate it, but I'm not selling. I love this club. Um, but yeah, like when it becomes apparent, it, you can tell there's a switch in her face when you can tell she's like, oh, he's making sense. And that's kind of bad for me because, you know, and the scene that she has later with Ted as well, which I think is the scene of the episode, really, um, in terms of uh, Tedisms and in terms of just these two. And again, like, I love that they do this meta thing where he's just like, hey, you did this to me last year at this exact time, because yes, she did. Um, episode nine of last year. So, um, you know, I, I, I just loved how she that. left that, too. How did she leave it? Yep. See you next, next year. year. <laughs> like, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's see what's going to happen in season three. Pretty great. Cause you there. know that they're going to come back to that. Yeah, exactly. But so talk to me about Rebecca here, like real quick, what do you think she's really thinking here? What do you think she wants to happen? Because I get the sense that she's genuinely conflicted that she, she really, like she tells Ted, she can't tell him to stay because you know, he really might want to do this when she's not sure how she really wants to feel about him. Well, there's a couple of things here. So the pragmatic person in me goes, she's got an awful lot of money. He's about to make an awful lot lot of money. money. (laughs) We've got private planes. We have access to be able to get to places pretty quickly. I feel like they could probably make this uh, long distance relationship work. That's the first like pragmatic thing that comes through my, through my mind. However, I will say, I think as a character, um, you know, she's always been this conflicted person between it comes back to Rebecca in season one, Mm -hmm. where she's putting on this, uh, almost this facade, this public facade that she talks to Nora about running the team and having to be this icon and to uh, have all this pressure that is just unduly put on women in leadership in any aspect. And then also she has this now budding personal relationship that she feels like she hasn't had the ability to have because it's clear that her marriage with Rupert, even before the divorce, was not something that was necessarily a stellar relationship uh, in my mind. And so she's finally getting what she might want there, but she doesn't know how to navigate it in a professional sense. And I think that that is just like that head in the heart thing. And I know mm-hmm. it's a, it's a great Tedism and we're not going to spoil it here, but right. um, you know, it's just like, it, it is something that uh, is going to continue to, to haunt her, I think. And it's the reason why Hannah Waddingham is now Emmy award winning <laughs> Hannah Waddingham, because she has uh, done such a great job of putting that agony in uh, little bits of how she does her facial expressions and how she acts. She really owns the screen when she's on screen and it puts us as an audience right there in that seat with her. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like the scene with Ted in particular is great to show once again, their camaraderie and their support. Um, You know, I said it in the last episode, you could easily be mad for, you know, showing up to your father's funeral late. But these two just have such an amazing bond. And all you people on the chat boards that want Rebecca and Ted to get together, stop. Just stop, okay? Stop. Just it's stop not it. it's not there. It doesn't need to be there and it, they are fine just the way they are. That to me is like the and we we keep talking Star Wars. Apparently to be a Ted Lasso fan, it, it's very important need to, be, to also be, a be a Star Wars fan. It, it's like um them getting together would be like the kiss between yeah. uh between Ben Solo and between Rey. Yeah. You know, but it, like we didn't need it. We didn't need that. Like there was no reason for it. Uh it had no uh it made no sense because they've been developing this relationship <laughs> between we're into this the now. three. I'm not going to go there too deep. Okay. <laughs> but I, I think I'm probably, you know, like if we pull the majority of our audience, I think rise of Skywalker might not necessarily be their oh, favorite Lord. of the star Wars films, <laughs> but uh, just saying that 
Sam, uh, Rebecca and Ted do not need to get together. Now, uh, Sassy and Ted, um, that needs maybe to happen. we can talk. Yeah, maybe that needs to happen immediately. <laughs> but, but maybe Ted needs a little bit of time to himself to figure himself out a bit, I think, as well. Um, but think that's still, the case. Let, just, just drop the drop the ted becca or whatever you're calling it or the re ed i don't know that doesn't work yeah that doesn't work does (laughs) it read Uh, (laughs) red just red Um, just red uh so the other um there's two other big huge storylines that are going through this entire episode here um I will, but before we get to those two, because those have a lot more consequence here, let's just briefly talk about Dr. Sharon and Ted here, because at the very least, uh, the team doing the bye-bye-bye dance was a, just a wonderful bit of Ted Lasso insanity, um, which is great. And it by the so, way, pretty good. It was so great, because it came on the heels of Nate complaining about, uh-huh. you know, so it's showing the juxtaposition between Nate, who is in his own head and really going to like a, a dark place that maybe some assistant coaches, I don't know, if you are listening and you've yeah. been an assistant coach, at like a high school or if you've been uh even at a professional level we don't know who's listening to this sure. but email us your stories about that at front row lasso at gmail.com because i uh, i wonder if this is not something that uh most assistant coaches do have to deal with at some point you're not going to be the front man well, right? yeah and, or like even like a chief of staff to a politician like these yeah. are the people that t- typically come up with a lot of the ideas they do a lot of the hard work but they're putting somebody else out there in front and that's just the position that's what's going to happen and so uh then to see like so nate's complaint about that and then you get into the bye 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 dance and it's just so perfect and then i i made a note of it uh the second time through watching it that the team's reaction to beard saying that they nailed it yes uh is they basically like it's like they won the world it's like they won the entire It's almost like they they should have decided to like production wise make it into like a slow motion like have chariots of fire underneath oh, no, it. I mean, it was like that kind of a celebration. Well, also there's so many great little things there. Like uh, when Ted leaves and uh, he's like, "Do you got this?" And Beard's like, "If I have to." <laughs> when that was really great. And also, I don't know if you noticed, but when Will uh, plays the music, he like starts swaying his hips a little bit, like dancing with them guys. So, um, also Phil Dunster, my man, that kid can move. He can dance, man. Get it, Jamie Tart. He, uh, he he can do anything. He that can, do, can anything. do anything. But I mean, it's the so whole... funny the, the the turnaround in my mind of that uh, actor, that character. I mean, obviously, I knew he was a good actor even when I hated his character in season one. But man, he could do anything. Yeah, he's great. Um, but the whole impetus for this dance is that Doctor Sharon is leaving. Um, and finally, Leslie Higgins gets his office back, <laughs> which is great. But it is here that Ted actually finds out that she's already left. She's had a a an emergency that's calling her away to Royston. So she's already left the facility and she's not coming back, um, which very much angers Ted. They have a wonderful confrontation um, in her apartment where he reads the note that she left for him, which um, I wasn't going to take until after Higgins says, don't let her get away with it, Ted. And he just bursts through the door and says, yes, <laughs> which is again, it's that rob communism. It coming is, back, man. Right? Um, but I really loved this, like the whole thing. We don't ever know what's in this letter, but the reaction that Sudeikis is giving here is you can tell it's it's very heartfelt and and uh, needed and then they enjoy um some drinks at may's bar um and then he pulls the irish goodbye on her the one that she was gonna do which is absolutely fantastic um but i gotta tell you craig like i i teared up hard when i saw that army man in the in the glass um because it is just ted's way of saying like I care about you enough that I want you to be okay. And, um, you know, that's what he gave to Jamie at the end of last year. Um, just really, really beautiful stuff here. I think this probably is the end of Sarah Niles this season. So what, what do you think of uh, Dr. Fieldstone leaving here? 
uh, you know, it's uh, a tremendous, uh, it's it's cool when you can introduce a character like that and have her as the antagonist uh, back in season uh, two, episode one. We're talking about her in Goodbye Earl about how she's going to be kind of the the thorn in the side of Ted Lasso and then to develop into this character and become so loved amongst the fan community as well. Uh, I did just see that Sarah Niles was on Brene Brown's podcast this week. So I'm definitely going to check that out. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, Um, but it's just like, Oh my gosh, what can you, what can you say about this? Um, she's just does a, a, such a wonderful job here. And speaking of wonderful jobs, uh, May's delivery of the line. Now here's one without shit in it. Yeah. Like it's just like the best, <laughs> uh, to way to break that kind of like emotional moment. Also uh, give our, give our trio of bar patrons here a great shout out. Trying to get free therapy from Dr. Sharon. It's just so great. Man. It's just so great. You know, but before we go to, I, I don't want to, uh, you know, get you off track on the episode too much, but I don't know that we've talked enough about Jeremy Swift uh, this season. We've at, we've Absolutely. mentioned like Higgins moving around and, and I talked about him a lot in the Christmas episode because he gives these great moments, but I have a question for you, Jeremy. So we think about like lassoism, right. And this idea of like, people are buying into what Ted is kind of pitching to them and developing for that. I would say that almost every character on the show has bought into some form or degree of lassoism. But I would say uh, between these two individuals, who has bought in the most? And I think my top contenders, unless you have another, uh, would be one being Leslie Higgins or two being Roy Kent. I think those are the two that have bought in to lasso uh, the most. They've di- they've dove into the deep end of the pool. I think you could probably put an honorable mention to Jamie Tart and maybe to Rebecca. But of those two, what do you think? I, I, yeah. I think I can make a strong argument uh, well, I'll let you talk first. Yeah, well, I think that, I, A, I think, yes, we've been getting kind of sporadic Higgins throughout this season, but I think he's going to play a big role in the finale because there's going to be a lot of interpersonal dynamics among the staff of Richmond that's going to come to play here. Um, but yeah, I think it is Higgins, though, because like when we first meet him, he is sniveling isn't even really the right word. He's just very like reserved because that's how he's had to be about around Rupert. And you know, he's really blossomed, you're right, into not only this um, great fun character, but also a character that the other um, uh, people trust. And so, you know, like when Rebecca's going through this hard moment in the office and he talks about how he wrote a play about it, you know, a billionaire taking a soccer player to dinner, um, you know, like I love that her first reaction is literally just like, well, well how, would it, how did it end? Like almost how catatonic. Did it end? <laughs> but it's just like, it's not like a, oh, shut up, Leslie, or anything like that. It's like because he genuinely is kind of like a Sherpa for a lot of people right now. And so I think that's really the biggest uh, change there. Of course, Roy's bought in, but he's still Roy, you know? Yeah. And I think like even his interaction earlier in the season with Coach Beard about Jane and being like feeling that he could come to him and talk to him about that when clearly uh, that is painting a parallel picture to the years that he was allowing Rupert yeah. to something he uh, didn't do for Rebecca walk around all over Rebecca. Yeah. So, I mean, it just anyway, I just I think that we need to give Jeremy Swift some credit here. He's just a tremendous actor. Yeah, has been uh, loved him in Downton Abbey, loved him in everything he's been in. Jeremy uh, Swift, come camp. on our podcast, so we can fawn all over you. Uh- <laughs> That's right. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that. Um- the way that we're sending Dr. Fieldstone off here. I hope that Sarah Niles comes back next season if she is not in the finale. Um, So I I really hope that we get some more of her because she's been fantastic so far. But let's get to the big two wallops of this episode. And I'm going to start with Roy and Keeley here because, well, 
it appears there's some those divisions that we started feeling at No Weddings and a Funeral with Jamie professing his love to Keely. Um, those might be a little deeper run than we're putting on here. So this is very interesting to me, Craig, because I don't know about you, but you know when Keely um, decided she was going to go out shopping with with Nate to to buy him a suit and everything, I didn't get it then. But I was just like, okay, well, this is you know kind of a play on what happened earlier in the season when they she was giving him confidence and stuff. But when Roy walked into that teacher's office. There was definitely some flirt vibes going on, I think. Mm -hmm. And I honestly thought that the very first interaction they had when he had to go and talk about Phoebe's cursing in school. And now they're really bringing that full circle um, because this scene with her, you can tell. And I don't think it's Roy. I don't think that Roy and Keely are unhappy with each other, but there's just something holding them back from each other. And I don't know if they know what it is, but that scene of them at the photo shoot on the couch where they're telling each other and Keely says, you know, Nate kissed me, um, you know, but I, or I think she said she tr he tried to kiss me. Um, so there's a little bit of untruth there. But then he, Roy tells her, you know, the teacher asked me if I was married and I said no and nothing else. And then after that long pause, Juno Temple really delivers this line amazingly where she says at the funeral, Jamie told me he loved me. And that was like, that was where Roy like didn't have a response. He doesn't know how to how to react to that. There is so much subtext going on here, Greg. Like, what do you want to get into here with Roy and Keeley in this episode? There, there's a lot there, but I, you know, I, I am uh, I'm the hopeless optimist of this podcast. I that's why I love Ted Lasso to begin with. But I almost feel um, stronger about their relationship after this episode than I did after the uh, no weddings and a funeral because sure. you you had that conversation, that very open and honest conversation. And I would say that she didn't. Um, it, it wasn't uh, necessarily a mistruth yeah. about Nate. Nate tried to kiss her. She did not reciprocate well, at all. Also so that might be mind, that might also be more for Nate's benefit, you know. Like, if, yeah. like hearing that from Roy is probably maybe a little bit better. Um, but again, mind, I, but. I think I think if 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 there's one party attempting kiss and other party said other party does not reciprocate, then I, I think that that is an attempt at a kiss, not an actual kiss. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm, I hear you. Maybe and I, I do also agree with you that when Roy says, like, when she says that about Nate, what's his first line back? Thank you for telling me that. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very sincere. And, yeah. And, and Roy, uh, first season Roy would have freaked out, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that they're evolving and they're growing in their relationship together. And to me, this makes it more obvious to me that in the end, the fans may get what they want and uh, Roy and Keeley will remain uh, a couple as opposed to there, there's going to be tension and there's going to be, obviously they're going to come back to the Jamie storyline. Um, but I, I just think that this is showing where their relationship is at. And, and in my mind, it's actually in a good place because they're able to have these open and honest conversations. Yeah. And I think, so I'm sure there's a lot of people that are going to break down the teacher scene a lot for like, Oh, he, is he in love with this teacher? Or does he really like this teacher? I honestly think that's more about a Phoebe shared experience that she's, you know, with Phoebe a lot. Um, and that's the thing they have in common. And she's got a wonderful sense of humor. <laughs> this teacher is hilarious. Um, you know, especially just like, you know, kind Kind of talking about how Phoebe's uh, drawings of breasts are being used as currency with the boys, um, which is great. But I think that the bigger issue here is that they both have secrets to tell. Keely tells him about Nate and it doesn't bother him at all. But I think that the Jamie one bothers him because he doesn't see Nate as a threat to his romantic relationship with Keely. I think he still honestly sees Jamie 
as a threat to his relationship with Keeley. And I think he always has. Um, I'm reminded of that episode in season one near the end where they're just all around the table when he and Keeley first start dating, um, you know, and it's just like really, really awkward and everything. I think even though Roy has found the ability to relate to Jamie and to understand Jamie because of the incident with his father in the locker room, I still think he's very freaked out that Keeley is going to not want to be with him anymore if the choice is him and Jamie. And so I think that's where that long pause is. And again, Emmy winner Brett Goldstein really doing a great job of selling. Like, I'm just really interested to hear what other people think is going on behind Roy Kent's eyes in that moment because it's a, it's a lot to take in. Yeah, uh, and I, I think we're going to get some answers here in the finale. It is, it's really, and, and this is going to be a much more open-ended finale, I think. I think than, so too. Uh, what we Empire Strikes had. Back, man. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think that, you know, season one, we got the relegation and we had hints at like, what's going to be next for the team? What's going to be next for Ted? But this is going to be, uh, this is going to be like, ending on a dime in my mind, I think it's going to leave a lot of loose threads for us all to ponder about and to talk about uh, throughout this like off season of our show now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. So, but odds here, you think at the end of the finale, are Roy and Keeley still together? Yes. Okay. Are they, uh, have they like broken up? No. Have Ooh. they had uh, potentially an argument that may lead one to believe they could be Okay, we're, we're splitting up. hairs now. Well, okay, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want here? I'm trying to. I'm, I don't I'm know. To... I I hear what you're saying. Like, I definitely think you're right. Like that okay, kind of ambiguity I'll, I'll, I'll is probably my flag. I'll plant my flag that you know in in the. Um, there is going to be a lot of turmoil coming in this season finale, and maybe the writers are going to give us Roy and Keeley as something to hold on to, uh, that their relationship is going to see, be seen as stronger. So I will plant that flag and come back to me in a week and tell me how wrong I was. Okay. <laughs> well, no, I think you might be right there. There's great logic behind that stance. Um I don't know if we're doing an empire thing here. Is this the Han and Leia breakup? Uh, not breakup, but you know, like a split up, a forced split up in a way. Because um, I think these are definitely the Han and Leia of the show. Um, but, uh, but of course, the impetus for a lot of this is the other big part of this episode, which is. Oh, Nate the Great. Oh, Nate the not so great. Nate, my boy. Oh, what are you doing? So this was this was often he speculated just needs a about. Reality check. Right? I think so. I mean, well, this was oft speculated about. So there are a lot of those people in the fan communities that were, that did see this coming. But so Nate, really at the start of this episode, you're right, is already starting off on a sour note. He's still treating Will uh, like crap. And again, notice that Beard notices this um, when when uh, Will brings the suit back in. Um, you know, we get kind of a little bit of comedy when you know uh, Roy comes in there and starts talking about this but you're right this conversation i think at the beginning with beard and roy where he's telling them you know like oh great i'm gonna have this great idea and ted's gonna get all the credit again and you notice these looks that like beard and roy share with each other because you're right roy tells him that's the job dude like that that's the job that you've chosen and actually and i believe he says it so way uh, folksy he says like that's the job son and again, it's like this mentor relationship that he's trying to impart there. But I don't know if you noticed this, Craig, but before Beard gives him this great quote about trees and the comp competition for sunlight and forests being a socialist uh, organism, he literally has kind of this moment where he looks and he almost like rolls his eyes a little bit. Not rolls his eyes, but he kind of like gives this look of like, 
ah, geez, this again. Like, you know, like I thought that we nipped this in the bud, but it still seems like a problem. And you're right. So now Nate is talking about, I'm going to be telling everyone that, you know, this idea was mine. I'm taking credit for it. Um, and you know, this leads to him trying to kiss Keely. This leads to him continuing to have these thoughts of like, I'm the one who deserves the credit. I need to be pushed forward. I need to be the boss. And it leads to him revealing to Trent Krim that Ted left the FA Cup semifinal match because of a panic attack or the quarterfinal match because of a panic attack. And Trent tells uh, Ted through text that we that he has to write that story as a journalist. But and this is a big thing, guys. If you don't know the journalism community, they do not reveal sources. They go to jail to not reveal sources. But Trent respects Ted so much that he tells him, look, I have to write this, but you need to know it was Nate who told me this. Um, and I even still love also that it was like care to comment at the end. <laughs> He's like, I don't know if he was trying to get a laugh out of Ted there or if that was serious. It was probably a little of both. But um, Craig, what are you like? Nate has gone full Palpatine here um, a little bit. So what 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 are your thoughts here? Uh, what on earth is in store for Nate, uh, Nate the Great here? Yeah, I you know, it's, it's hard um, because I think what's happening is that he's just getting so much inside his own head. And he's not realizing the larger picture that he was, uh, you know, he was uh, the kit man not that long ago for this team. Right. You know, and, and so the fact that um, Ted was able to then elevate him uh, and to be able to give him this position and then kind of nurture that. And yes, use a lot of his ideas, but respect those ideas yeah. and listen to him and understand that even though he is the head coach of the team, he is going to listen to the person that uh, is should be seen as lesser on the organizational chart. Right. Yeah. And, but how did Nate start? How did Nate start with this team? He's a kit man. He's, you know, like he's a guy with a lot of great ideas that nobody will listen to. And Ted listened to him and not only listened to him, he elevated him. He went to bat for him to the point where he gets him promoted to assistant coach. And so, like, yeah, I think that's why I don't know what's going on behind Ted's eyes um, when he reads these texts. But it's got to be I don't think it's rage or anger. I think it's literal betrayal and hurt that's behind those eyes. Yeah, it's uh and, and, you know, I, I will say I, I wasn't a fan of how the show did that through text. I, I get that it's okay. an Apple TV show and <laughs> that we want to make sure we, hey, we see iPhones, a nice everyone. iPhone there. Um, but, you know, I think it's I don't know. And, and, and we don't we do know, by the way, I, I don't know if this is fully confirmed out there, um, but only good guys can use iPhones. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard this uh, before. So we we do know. I mean, one hundred percent who's good and who's evil in yeah, our, our just show. Based on uh, iPhones, anything else? But <laughs> no. Um, but really, I I didn't like how they did that. I I thought it was kind of shoehorned in there at the very end. And I wish that we could have gotten Trent on camera I with know. that. Like, you know, I'm always in favor of that. I love my boy Trent. Krim. So I, I, obviously, he's going to be in the next episode. Mm -hmm. Um, clearly, uh, he's going to be a, a part of that and chasing down the story even more. But it just somebody needs to slap Nate. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that's where I'm at with this, you know, like he, he just needs to realize that um, he, yes, he does come up with an awful lot of good ideas. Um, but at the same time, he would not have the ability to even be able to give those ideas without having been built up by this man who now he is seeking to destroy in a way. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and I don't no think he way. understands it. I don't think he understands the impact of what he's doing either. Um, yeah. But I, 
I, I just love, I love the character arc that he's going through truly. I, I know a lot of fans are like, Oh, Nate's awful. I think we're going to see a redemption story in this uh, ultimately, whether that's him as uh, I think he's going to be uh, coaching on another team and um, we'll see where that goes from there. But I don't know that they're going to keep him as like the big bad of this whole show. Yeah. Uh, I do think we're going to get some redemption out of him, but right now it's, it's dark, man. It's, it's tough to watch. Yeah. And, and you're right. It's because of the betrayal aspect of it. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you're right. Hard to watch is, is the exact, um, is the exact right calling there because Ted never really invites this egotism that he is now projecting out that, that Nate is now projecting out. Yes. Ted is the head coach, but he never gives the sense that he is above the team at all. In fact, he goes out of his way to make sure everybody knows that's not the case. That's why Trent Krim respects him. Remember Trent Krim was going to write a, a takedown piece on Ted in season one, but after seeing the sincerity of what Ted is and what he believes, he decided I can't do that. I'm going to say, like this is a little ridiculous what's happening here but I'm rooting for the guy and so you know it, it's hard for me to see what Nate is doing here um, because yeah it, it it's happening to somebody like that and honestly Craig what I'm worried about is Ted's had to deal with these panic attacks from deep emotional things that have happened to him in his life. Does this set those back? Does this make Ted doubt himself as a coach? Does this, because look, and if you guys don't know the London press, they are not nice <laughs> when they, when they smell blood in the water, they go. And I think that this is going to be a big firestorm here. And I'm honestly wondering, and I want to get your thoughts on this before we get to Tedisms. What do you think Ted's reaction to this is going to be? Do you think it's going to be vengeance? Do you think he wants Nate gone? Or do you think it's going to be everybody else that wants Nate gone? And Ted might be the one saying, no, like we can't, or like wanting to understand. I don't, I honestly don't know. I don't know what his reaction is going to be to this. I think he's going to, I think he is going to be the one that will defend Nate till, uh, till the end. I think that that's who he is as a character um, in terms of where he's at with his therapy. I, I hope that the breathing exercises that he's been doing, I hope that the work he's been doing with Dr. Fieldstone comes to pass and maybe he is able to um, deal with this in a, a more positive way than uh, what has happened when he goes into these panic attacks. But, you know, it's, it's that whole idea of abandonment. Really. And yep. I mean, he just he talked about it with Sharon earlier in the episode that she was going to leave without uh, saying goodbye. And here's Nate, who's abandoning Ted as well. Mm -hmm. And so it certainly is a through line. Um, I, I it'll be interesting. I don't know that we'll fully get the obviously, I mean, like we're going to end up with a cliffhanger here. I don't think we're going to get like a fully resolved story of how this all plays out uh, in the next episode. But I will say, I think that at his heart, he will want to defend Nate and see it from a point of understanding. Well, um, yeah. Trying to understand where Nate's coming from. Yeah. And it might be that like, look, he's the only, he and Trent are the only ones who know this. Like, so presumably for anybody else, any of the other staff of Richmond to know that Nate was the person, Ted's going to have to show them. Um, so I don't know, maybe we get the scenario of where they're wondering how this got out and Ted won't say, yeah, you know, stuff like but that. At the same time, like right before uh, our Man City match, or, or no, it wasn't the Man City match. What was the most recent match that they they all shared? Was it Man City? It was Man City. Yeah, that it was, was right before was Man City. Yeah, 
Yeah, that he told him that um, that he had the panic attack. Oh, that's and right. So, so it would have to be one of those five. Or it would have to be one of the people. diamond dogs, right? Yeah, which I think he's pretty sure it's not Roy Beard or uh, or well, uh, Higgins. Uh, everyone but... else, everyone else in that circle knows exactly. But who also, it was. Rebecca probably figured that out um, because you yeah. know she she knows that she helped Ted through his first one. So, um, but this is going to be very interesting. They're planting a lot of crazy flags here. This episode hits some very big emotional beats and. Lordy, lordy, we don't know where any of this is going, but you know where this podcast is going because it's time for Tedisms. Tedisms. For each week, we share biscuits truth. Tedisms, folk, where we break down our favorite quotes of the episode. Um, Craig, I'm hosting, so I think it's up to you to start us off here. Why don't you give us some Tedisms? You can walk it, run it, cartwheel it to me. I don't care. Call me Dumbo. I'm all ears. There it is. <laughs> there it is right there. I told you, I'm the Disney guy. I got it every time there's a Disney reference in this show. I have to bring it up for sure. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I like that. And, that, you know, again, that is that is Ted. That's like, that is, he is telling Nate that, yes, if he has an idea, bring it to him. And I understand that uh, Ted is going to get most of the credit for what Richmond's doing. But I almost feel like he's so egalitarian in that credit. Like, I feel oh, like yeah. he doesn't, he's, there's not really a narcissistic bone in Ted's body. Nope. Is there? I mean, I don't no, know. There's not. Uh, so anyway, I just, I don't get Nate's reasoning there, but I love that Tedism. Yeah, no, that one's great. Um, along the lines of that, um, <laughs> in that, in the, right before we get that scene, when Nate and uh, Roy are talking about uh, fashion and he says, Roy says, this isn't black, this is dark heathered charcoal. And Ted says, Ooh, I love hearing fellas debate fashion. Who's winning? <laughs> <laughs> fantastic oh. stuff we're in a limbo situation great party game horrible relationship horrible status. relationship status that was great oh man i'm gonna get to a lot of those there uh but before i leave uh this the first opening scene uh beard to roy your eyebrows aren't crazy thank you they're psychotic i appreciate that <laughs> Just the, the dynamic the, between Roy the, and Beard. Uh, the romanticism between those two. I yeah. just absolutely love them playing off of each other for yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, but you want to talk even more Tedisms. Uh, you may see impossible, but all I see is I'm possible. <laughs> it, it looks better when it's written down. Better when it's written down. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, I, I, I loved a lot of this, uh, but I did love when uh, Rebecca finally comes clean about Sam. And again, this is just a fun Ted line, but he was like, oh, you and Sam, U-L-L Jackson. U-L-L Jackson. Okay, just thinking. Well, also on top of that, I wrote this whole thing down because the way Jason Sudeikis delivers it is great because I think it's what all the fans were thinking when Rebecca and Sam first got together too, which was, okay, well, you know, I think that's great. Hold on. Wait, no. Yep. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think that's fine. <laughs> it's like, yes, just fantastic. Uh, just the way he listens to it. Uh, uh, then uh, speaking of Ted, I, you know, I'm stealing this one probably from you, but uh, listen to your gut and on your way down uh, your gut, check in with your heart between those two things. They'll, you'll, that's where you'll know what's what. Yeah. Uh, it's again, just Fantastic. a philosophy one-on-one with Ted Lasso. That's definitely the line of the episode. I'll say this, uh, trickle down economics may stink, but trickle down support smells like pizza, roses, and I assume Viola Davis. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, maybe I said it earlier when I mentioned it, but, uh, Rebecca's line, see you next year. 
I am excited to see where this, uh, this series goes. And, um, it just gets me amped for season three, honestly, like that little moment, I was like, Oh yeah, there's a next year. (laughs) Well, I've got two left here. Um, when I was a baby, I was no good at walking or talking, but I stuck with it and look at me now, (laughs) which is just great, Ted. But the one that made me laugh the most was Roy at the teacher's office when she tells him that Phoebe's already been picked up and he goes, fun. That's fun, isn't it? <laughs> Trying to call back to when he's cursing in the in the school. Um, this episode was great. I absolutely loved it. Um, I hated the ending um, for my my favorite characters, but there's some stuff coming, guys. I don't think we're done with the fall yet. So uh, brace yourselves for the finale next week. Craig, where can people find us if they want to reach out to us? Absolutely. So you can, of course, email us at frontrowlasso at gmail.com. You can also now follow us on Twitter, PBBFRN, uh, on the Twitter. So you should have already done that at the beginning of the show. I, yeah. I asked you so nicely. You've had like 45 minutes to do that, guys. Come on. I know. I asked so nicely. Um, and let us know where you're listening from. That's always fun. Oh, email yeah. us. Uh, leave a review. Please reach out. I really love, like, seriously, when people email us, it's like the, it's, I get so excited. Yeah. I like I geek out about it. So we please call out the Ted um, Lasso fan us. community, man. Yeah. You guys are so great. Like uh, even the, sure. the discussions on the Facebook groups, they're so much fun. Well, and we are in prompt pr- predominantly, we need to like support that Facebook group too. Cause we are predominantly involved in the Ted Lasso talks, Ted Lasso uh, talks. Facebook group, yeah. which, which had just over 10,000 uh, members yeah. in it now. And get in that group uh, and get Joel in Marquez uh, is the admin over there and he does such a great job with that. So and as always that though, group. people be curious, not judgmental. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. There was one that was very judgmental the other day and uh-huh. I, I had, I commented on it. I don't know if you saw Jeremy, but I commented and I was like, you know what, this is not really like a, what Ted Lasso that's what would be saying. It was someone that was Lordy. complaining that people were not listening uh, or were not able to like watch old films. They were like, I can't believe you haven't seen Scorsese's After Hours. And I'm like, you know what, buddy, it's okay. People come to things at different levels. We need to be respectful to all. <laughs> so um, anyway, it's been great breaking down this episode for you. I am really excited to break down the finale. Of course, I get to host that one. I will say we're working on a special guest with that uh, as well. I'm excited for uh, the potential. I am not going to start announcing guests early anymore, ever right. in my career <laughs> as a podcaster or a producer. Uh, but we are working on one, and uh, hopefully that will come to fruition. And uh, if not, you know that you can see us or hear us next Friday as we break down the season finale, season two of Ted Lasso. Absolutely. So thank you again, everyone. Find us wherever you find us. And uh, for peanut butter and biscuits, I'm Jeremy Geckner. And I'm Craig McFarland. And as always, folks, be a goldfish. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Front Row Network, a proud Community Voices member of National Public Radio Illinois. For more from the Front Row Network, including our articles or our other dozens of shows, visit thefrontrownetwork.com or nprillinois.org slash programs slash network. You can also find us on social media by searching for the Front Row Network on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Front Row Reviews with a Z.